In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It is June 1st, and Atlanta United has defeated the Chicago Fire 2-0 here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium behind two goals from Joseph Martinez, his ninth and 10th this season. Atlanta United posted its eighth consecutive shutout, and interestingly, each of its eight wins this season have been by shutout. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Longshore of 92.9 FM and SoccerDownHere.net as we look on the field and see folks saying goodbye to Eric Rossich. Uh, he worked in the uh, digital slash communications team. He's going off to grad school. A great guy. Helped me a lot during road games uh, with photos and things like that. So I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, one of the earliest employees in the, the digital and comm side of things. He's headed to grad school at the University of Washington. And, you know, it's it's fun when we get to travel and, you know, you're always out with us as well and, and catching up with, with Eric and, and the rest of the crew. And, you know, I mean, half the time we're, we're talking music or, you know, soccer around the world or whatever. So Eric's one of the good guys for sure. Yeah. So uh, tonight, uh, Joseph Martinez, again, two more goals. The first was assisted by Pitti Martinez, who played, I think, his best game uh, for Atlanta United this season. Uh, and Franco Escobar, who continues to be hot. The second goal uh, was given a late assist uh, by Dion Pereira, his first in Major League Soccer this season. Um, it was, I thought, a fairly easy, comfortable win for Atlanta United as it finished this stretch of eight games in 28 days, winning six of those eight. Even in the second half where you could definitely see Atlanta was tired and you could see that Chicago was just throwing everybody forward that they could find, the Fire were only able to muster one shot on goal. Um, even when they were able to get into the final third and have a little bit of possession in the final third, I thought Atlanta's defensive performance tonight was outstanding. I, I thought it was Atlanta's best win of the season. Um, the Kansas City game would be in that ballpark for me, but I thought Atlanta was confident. Not as sharp as they've been in other games, and I think the, the fatigue has a factor there. And I think Chicago's quality has a factor there, too. This is a good Chicago team, especially going forward. But overall, I think the confidence, the way they played, the way they approached the match, the way they managed the match, this was Atlanta's best night in 2019, in my opinion. And if you don't think the guys are ready to be done with soccer for the next five days... Some of them, anyway. They could not get out of this locker room fast enough. Yeah. Franco Escobar, it looked like, was going right to the airport from the stadium. <laughs> he had a suitcase. He was ready to go. He deserves it. As um, good as he has been these last couple of matches, yeah. he absolutely deserves it. So it, it was pretty funny. Another player was telling me he doesn't 
remember ever getting five days off in a season before, five consecutive days off, which is what other players are receiving uh, from manager Frank DeBoer. They'll, of course, come back and start training, I assume, next weekend uh, ahead of their June 11th game against Charleston. Yeah, probably late next in week. In the fourth round of the U.S. Open Cup. They won't return to league play until June 26th at Toronto. Uh, a struggling Toronto, which hasn't won, I think, in now five or six games, something like that. I have to go back and look it up. They did fight back and get a point last night. Right. But yeah, they're not finding three points many places right now. The other uh, big piece of news, uh, I guess, going into this break is uh, results, as of right now, are all falling at Land United's way. It could uh, go to bed Sunday night in a tie for first place in the East uh, with a game in hand. Uh, at least one game in hand on those it's competing with, which is not something I think a lot of people would have assumed, including me, after the first three league games of the season. Yeah, Frank DeBoer talked about it, and and it's something that I think has been an ongoing conversation that that I've been having and and my partner Mike Conti has been having with, with fans is that, you know, it takes time. And we had Julian Gressel on the full-time report, and he, he talked about just how much more comfortable they feel now in the system. You don't play in a manner like this at the top of your game straight away. And, and I look at it in, in this manner. You, you have a couple different approaches you can have in the game. And if you want to be a destructive team – that's easier, and it's a faster road to get to being at your best, to be a, a destructive team, a team without the ball. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a team that builds something, it takes time. It's the harder road, but I think it's the more satisfying road, and I think long-term it's the more successful road. And I think that's where Atlanta United's headed. And they're a team now that can do both. You know, you look at games where they have 55 60% of the possession. You look at games where they have 45 and they're finding ways to be effective and dangerous in both now. And they weren't doing that a month and a half ago. Right. All these games in such a short period of time, it's exhausting, but it's helped build that rhythm and that continuity. And when you see things like what we've seen in these last couple with Franco Escobar and Pitti Martinez on the right dominating that side of the field, that takes time. That chemistry builds, and it's been deadly for Atlanta in these last few. Yeah, it's... Um... Just speaking of pity, I've been critical of him, but as I said at the beginning of this podcast, um, I thought this was his best game for Atlanta United because he worked back hard on defense. He tracked back deep in the first half Mm -hmm. to to get a ball and relieve relieve Atlanta United from Chicago's press. Um, His pass to Joseph on the first goal was a fantastic piece of work, and it started with nice... A combination passing between he and Franco. Mm-hmm. Um, Started with a good distribution from Brad Gazan yeah, as well. That is true. The um, Pity took two really good shots today. Both were on goal. Mm-hmm. Both forced good saves uh, by Chicago's keeper Cronholm. Uh, it was uh, again a, a good way for him to end the break. And now when they come back, uh, we'll see what he's going to bring. Uh, Frank said there's still lots of room for improvement for the entire – he was speaking about the entire mm-hmm. team, but lots of room for improvement about the t- entire team. And it's going to be interesting to see how Barco is going to get reacclimated because Pitti and Franco are doing well on the right. Julian 
wasn't as influential tonight in the middle as he was against Minnesota, but I thought still He said he's solid. never been this tired in his life. Yeah. Dion didn't wasn't as didn't play as well tonight as he did on Wednesday, but he didn't get the opportunities tonight that he got on Wednesday. Not quite as sharp, and and, and that's to be expected. I mean, it's something we when we get a chance to talk to the young players as they get their their breakthroughs and their matches. You know, whether it was Andrew Carlton or George Bello. You know, they talk about how exhausting it is. And this is game three in a row for for Dion Pereira. That's really impressive that he was able to get to this point and have a a solid night. Not a great night, but a solid night. And he did all the things, and this is what I like about Pereira so much, is that when it's not on for him on the ball, he still contributes. Mm -hmm. And he still works hard. Yeah. If I had to guess when Barco comes back, it will be Pereira probably going back to the bench. I would agree. Uh, but then that's also going to be interesting, too, because you're going to have Pereira and Viaba on the bench. Um, but Viaba could be a sub for Joseph or Pitti. Um, and Frank can rest the guys a little bit more. You'll have because they have another bizarre stretch of games mm-hmm. in July, as MLS schedule makers probably need to be reassigned with some other people brought in, or other computer programs, I should say, yeah. used, because it's just odd. You knew it was going to happen when they decided to move MLS Cup up by a month and not move the start of the season. And they really didn't have any wiggle room on the start of the season. I think they could have done things a little more gradually, but this is all because of the World Cup in 2022. And you have to get your MLS Cup done early to get to deal with that. So they went ahead and pushed things forward. And teams are, are paying for it. And Atlanta United, you know, people have questioned the depth in this team. Look, Atlanta's dealt with this schedule better than anybody else in the league right now. And, and you're seeing teams that are just shattered at the moment that don't have as much depth. So I think that's probably enough about this game. Um, what did you make of the Champions League final today? Um, I mean, didn't get a chance to really study it. Uh, Liverpool was the better team coming in, and they get the early goal. I mean, I, I said that if Tottenham was going to find a way to, to steal it, and I feel like it would have been stealing it in this one, um, they needed an early goal. And, and the absolute opposite happened. You, you get an early penalty, and they grew into it. You know, both of those teams were off for three weeks going into it. The first half was a little disjointed, but second half it picked up, but Liverpool's the better team. And and they absolutely deserved it. It would have been horrible for them to, to get as close as they did in the league and then to lose in the Champions League final. I mean, Jurgen Klopp and what he's done is, is amazing with Liverpool. And I'm curious to see what they do to challenge Manchester City next year in the league. Because as big as this is for Liverpool... I mean, you, you tell me, the, the league title feels like the one that they really, really want at this point. Yeah, that will be the next one. Uh, the, the league title would be the next. Of course, they got pit by Manchester City in the final game of the season by a point. Liverpool can just blame itself. It had a chance to go, I think, as many as nine points clear mm-hmm. earlier this season and failed. Um, so that's a lesson learned, just like losing in the Champions League final to Real Madrid last year. Yeah. was a lesson learned they were able to apply this year. Um, and credit to Tottenham, too. Yeah, yeah, very there. much credit I, to I, th- I think what, I, I, for me, Mauricio Pochettino and the, the job he's done over this last season is the most impressive managerial job in Europe. Um, to do what he did without investing, without spending, people say that you can't compete with the big boys if you don't spend. Well, Tottenham showed that you can. Um 
can they get over the hump and, and win a Champions League or get to that stage where they are pushing City and, and Liverpool in the league? We'll have to see. But Pochettino did an amazing job, and for Tottenham to get where they did, it definitely deserves recognition. The thing, yeah, that, the thing I appreciate probably most about Liverpool and Tottenham compared to Arsenal and especially the two Manchester's is they do have some fiscal responsibility. Mm -hmm. They will sell as well as buy, but typically they break even, Mm -hmm. as opposed to Manchester City and Manchester United, which just spend willy-nilly, don't develop, and don't sell. Um, It's I I didn't criticize, but I, I pointed out about Pep Guardiola. I would love to see him do something with a team that doesn't, can't just buy whatever player it wants. Take a Crystal Palace, for example, and just get it to the Champions League. Well, if you yeah. hold on, if yeah, you're that brilliant of a ta- tactician and that brilliant of a man manager, I would like to see him do it somewhere where he can't just buy whatever he wants. That's why I appreciate Klopp in Liverpool and especially Pochettino and Tottenham because they have bought low, sold high through development. Liverpool is now probably in a different financial stratosphere than it was last year. Yeah. It could probably go and spend money on someone. And they have spent a lot of they money on the guys like right. Van Dyke and Allison. Right. That's because they got the money from the sale of Coutinho, True. for example. True. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. And really, I don't think Liverpool loses any starters unless there's a surprise. They only need to add depth at left back, maybe another creative midfielder. And, you know, they got a lot of luck this year. We'll have to see if the luck holds next year. Um, spending a lot of money can make up for a lack of luck. Uh, but yeah. it's going to be fun. And I'm curious to see who Tottenham can add. Right. To. That's what um, I'm interested to see. Like, do they, do they invest? Couple. I think yeah. they, they'll probably sell a couple. Do they reinvest it? Do they, they go and spend and try to make that next jump? And they have new stadium revenue coming in, yeah, too. Yeah, it's, it's a different world. Um, I, I hope that there is more competition at the top of the table. And... I mean, what, what Guardiola's done, I think, for the game and, and developing the, uh, the, his style of play is, is just it's amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. And I love watching his teams play. And yep. I love the way that they play. Yep. Klopp has a very different approach. And when they battle, it, it's, it's the best battle you can find in the, in the game in the world because they both have to try to find different things because they know each other so well from the time in Germany as well. So it, it's finding okay, what can I throw at him that he doesn't expect this time? What can I do here? What can I do here? And it's pushing both of them to get better and better. So I hope that they, they those two can continue, but I also hope that it doesn't become a two-horse race like Spain. And, and that's what worries me about the game in Europe right now. When you look around the major leagues, there's no competition in France. There's no competition in Italy. There's really no competition in Germany. That was a little bit this year. A little this year, yeah. Bayern kind of slipped up early and yeah. then you know turned it on and drove everybody out. Spain, you've got the two, and Atletico is pushed into that to a degree. Can Tottenham be they the Atletico of England? Yeah, too. we'll see if they spend it. Can Tottenham become that Atletico of of England and become the third team to push? And does does Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United realize that, hey, the game's passed them by? And and that's the the question. I hope it doesn't get to be a foregone conclusion in England as to who's going to win. I mean, you can already pencil in Juve, Bayern, PSG as champions in their countries Mm -hmm. now for next season. Right. Or in Spain, you'll pick between Barcelona and Real. Yeah. 
uh, that's probably a 80% chance. That's what's so entertaining about MLS is that you've only had three back-to-back champions ever. And, and the playoffs bring an element of chaos, but also just the way the league's structured brings those elements of, of chaos into it. And it's very hard to be dominant year after year after year. And I think Atlanta saw that early on, and they've, they've gotten past it. And now I'd say that there's a lot of people nationally who have zeroed in on that match at Bank of California mm-hmm. Stadium with Atlanta United heading out to face LAFC uh, in July. Yep. It's, it's going to be really, really interesting. It's two teams with really now contrasting styles, I think. Uh, Joseph Martinez has now reached double-digit goals. He trails uh, Vela by five, I think, at my last count. He's not far off of where he was last year at this time No, either. he's only one behind, I, th- I think. He yeah. had 11 at this point last season. Uh, he's two behind. Two, okay. But, but this is what's interesting about it is he's got two penalties this year. He had four last year. Mm-hmm. And he had four goals last year against teams that were playing shorthanded. And he has okay. zero this year. Right. So he's, he's right there. And, and he's picked up four in the last two. He's been brilliant in the last two. I think Vela is still easily the front runner for agree. MVP Completely agree. because of the combination goals and assists. Uh, Bob Bradley, coach of the year, you know, for the same reasons, uh, LAFC is playing a fantastic, fun brand of soccer. Uh, it's going to be a fun matchup if the two teams uh, are continuing their form yeah. when they go to Bank of California a shame Stadium nationally. That Frank DeBoer won't be in that coach of the year conversation, even though he should be, because. Bob Bradley hasn't had to deal with losing your best player going into the season. He right. hasn't had to revamp a team from scratch. Mm-hmm. And DeBoer did coming mm-hmm. in. And, and for whatever reason, he's not getting that credit. And I hope he does going forward because what he did over this last month with all of these games and travel to get the results that he has. And they've only given up four goals at home in all competitions in ten games. Yeah. That's that's pretty impressive. It all does make me go back and wonder why did you use the three four three? It just <laughs> it, it's all about Escobar, and now we see how important Franco Escobar. is. I still disagree with that, but I mean, I, I don't disagree with how important Escobar is. I do disagree with the fact that you had time to develop someone else that could plug in there until Escobar. I don't think could he felt like back. he did. Well, and obviously he didn't. Yeah. but I disagree with that whole thing. But that's neither here nor there. I don't know if the results um, would have been better playing yeah, somebody I, else. That's the thing that's hard I to tell. I don't know. Um, so, Mexico plays Venezuela here on Wednesday. Yep. I'll be covering that, and then I go on vacation uh, for a little bit. Um, what do you have coming up this week? Are we going to see you in Charleston? Uh, yeah. I'll, uh, well, if my flight back from London uh, arrives Monday late afternoon, you'll see me uh, as I rent a car Tuesday morning <laughs> and drive to Charleston. Yeah, we're uh, that's that's the next match for for us with the first team. Uh, we'll have Atlanta United two on Friday night on ESPN Plus. Myself and John Nelson, and then we'll have a reaction Monday on Soccer Down Here Monday morning nine till eleven ish um, on the Soccer Down Here app that you can download in your favorite app store and also on Spreaker and SoccerDownHere.net. And as always, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Atlanta United, two to nothing winners against Chicago. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Have a great night. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. 
I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.